Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Uh, this week we have a new episode of My Two Cents, and I've got a really special guest uh, joining me for this one. Uh, but before we start, I wanted to give a bit of an explanation of what we want to discuss today. Um, if you look at earlier podcasts, we have been talking about international expansion. Uh, there are two ways of expanding your organization, especially as a corporate. That's one hand, start a new office in a different country, or buy another company. Well, in both cases, you're uh, you're going to be confronted with organizations in different markets with different cultures, different dynamics, and you have to make some stringent choices. Centralized approach, decentralized approach, how much uh, 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 flexibility do you give those markets and how do you make those markets work? Last week I spoke to Glenn and uh, Glenn is actually a quite a specialist in this area because he has a lot of experience working for US-based companies and leading teams from a distance, etc., etc. But before we start, Glenn, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, so my name is Glenn Wasten. I'm uh, the VP Sales at the moment for uh, Avocor in EMEA. In my 25 years, I've worked for American companies. In Europe, I work for European companies spread all over the world, working with virtual teams, as you said. I've been in startups, in medium-sized companies and large companies. So I have a, a little bit of understanding of how the different dynamics work in international business, in different levels of the growth stages of companies. And most recently also, of course, everybody has a lot of experience in working from home in the hybrid, re hybrid reality. But in my specific company and fields, I, I, I think I have a little bit more experience there because that's really what we do. So I hope to share some of those insights with you guys. Well, I, I'm really happy that you're here. Uh, our chat of last week was so, so, so immaculate. Uh, the cool thing is actually that we can actually speak Dutch together because he's a Belgian guy, we but we're not going to do it for today. Uh, another cool thing is, as Glenn mentioned, is that he has experience from startup to scale up to corporate. So for every one of you in our network, there is something to learn from this session today and from these insights. But let's kick it off. Glenn, why, why is it so uh, difficult if you have uh, uh, branches in different markets, what are the, the, the key things you would say we need to focus on and, uh, and can share your experience? Yeah, well, I think one of the big misunderstandings is that always the smaller office always think that the big office is the bad guy, right? Or every minority, I mean, we're all human and there's no mistake that it's in every kind of society, minorities always feel that they have to pushed of uh, have an uphill battle against the majority in a company setting that's HQ and I've worked in America in American companies that in Europe I consider the Americans being the big bad guys but I've also worked in an HQ in Europe where the Europeans were considered that bad guy because they were also always that 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 major voice I think it's important to realize because I do believe that um, once you realize what the psychology is behind a situation you, got, you can start managing it. You, when you're aware, you can do something about it. It's like when in, in finance they say you can't manage what you can't measure. It's the same with the, with the human psyche. And I think realizing that as a minority, everything you want to sell, you have to convince a lot of people because the majority needs to be convinced. And that feels like a really, that sounds like a struggle. On the other side, very realistically, for a majority, you have to take care of those smaller voices. And that's, that seems inefficient. So there's this intrinsic battle going on, but realizing that you are a part of the team and that there is this process, I think it's up to the, to the, to the minorities or the smaller companies to keep on sharing their opinion, 
but also on the majority side, on the HQ side, to have a very open policy of more than they would normally do, over listen, if that's the right English word to say, but really make an effort to listening to the voices, to make them feel heard, that's going to go a long way. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with you, uh, but I think that the the, 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 the the challenge you will have with that, of course, smaller company, uh, branches, etc., they want to, they want, they need, they need something different. Uh, let me share a bit of my experience and then tap in on, on what it actually means working from a global perspective. Mm-hmm. I worked for a, a global organization, uh, US based. We had a head office in New Jersey. Uh, if you want to look up which company, go and look at my LinkedIn profile, <laughs> just to keep it simple. But, um, we had a big challenge that we were one of the branches in, in Europe. Um, the solutions the US uh, organization provided us uh, in the in, in perspective of the quality was perfect. However, we, need to, we needed more domestic views on the solutions and how we brought it into market. So we got into a bit of a discussion. We got a product from the US, they expected a certain revenue, we came back to them, the product, the product is shite. We cannot sell it. And it was a continuous discussion. Um, I remember at a certain point that I went to the US and one of my leaders said to me, he said, Rahim, uh, what are you coming to do? Are you going to shit over me again because the product is shite? I said, no, honestly not. Um, I'm actually here to make you successful because I love the product. I love the data. It's actually a perfect product. However, our market looks at these kind of solutions a bit different. We need some minor adjustments to make sure that our clients understand, comprehend, and really love the product. So I'm here to help you sell it within our organization. I'm here to help you make the product better, but I need something from you first. And that's the uh, local small market negotiating upwards. Instead of telling them it's shite, telling them, look, it's good, but we need something better. It's a cultural thing. And that cultural thing is really important um, if you look at those organizations. What is your take on this? It, uh, everybody thinks that, that from again, Americans versus European. The, the, the European thinks, well, the Americans don't understand EMEA. They don't know the difference between Italians and Norwegians. But I'm always challenging my European counterparts. How many Europeans know the difference between somebody from Texas and somebody from New York? It's very similar. We always, again, we always think about the others as being the problem. We're all there. So er, respecting each other's culture and understanding that it's, it's not individuals, but it's groups that we need to work with, with their own intricacies, mm-hmm. I think is a very important element. And that's where the, the management comes in of those international teams, because we're, later we're going to talk about the virtual world. That makes it even harder, because when you talk to each other, you can see each other, you can see each other's body language or the Italian way of explaining or the German way of being more still. All of those elements play a part in the cultural aspect. Whether you want to sell ideas like more American style, whether you want to be more factual based like the Germans, the same idea can be explained in different ways. I think one of the critical elements there, and I want to put put a very important element in there, is that a lot of the people say, okay, we need to move fast, therefore we're going to make a decision 20% 20% of the time, make it very quickly, and then 80% of the time they spend on the execution, controlling whether everybody has understood it and executing the way it's been taught or explained. I would claim the other way around, especially in a virtual setup, spend 80% of the time trying to jointly define the problem. Once you decide 
with all the views what the problem is, the solution will, for everybody that understands the problem the same way, the solution will be very, very easy to find. And the execution will be much more aligned, much more engaged, much more supported, and you will only need 20% of the time. Now, even if those two options, 80, 20, or 20, 80, share the same amount of time, the execution and the quality is going to be a lot better in the second part. And you will get the motivation and the morale of the people supporting that product and that idea and the execution. And you will have it over multiple countries, executed in the local way, because everybody understands where it came from, what the problem was, what the intention was, and how they need to execute it locally. And then you get to the control and authority part of it. But I think that's really a different mindset where you, you have to be less authoritarian in a um, international or regionally dispersed uh, organizational structure. Yeah, yeah. Love it, love it, love it. Well, that brings me actually to the next part. Because if you look at the organization, culture, international working, then last year uh, uh, we had a challenge as a, as a global community. We are still in that challenge. Um, Moving forward, we are seeing people at last going back to the office, but we have that hybrid way of working. And we had a chat last week too about the hybrid way of working because on one hand, that international aspect of hybrid working, which is for people who have worked in international organizations, they have been working hybrid for 10, 15 years. For me, it wasn't anything new. When COVID mm -hmm. came, it was just for me, okay, fine. Yeah, it didn't change. But for a lot of people that changed, now, even domestically, you're hybrid working. Um, we were talking about the challenges of bringing the message over, uh, enthusiasing your team, keeping them motivated, keeping them going. And we both concluded that in a lot of meetings, people are actually not part of the meeting. Not engaged, yeah. Not engaged. Mm. Yeah, I think there's, there's a, that, that could be another two-hour session all by itself. Um, I think um, there's, a, there's a couple of things to be said here. I think engagement has to do with, um, well, let me first, take a step back. First of all, the best way of communicating and experiencing each other's content is face-to-face. Um, I think having a better relationship, a better visual experience, understanding how somebody responds is, for instance, technologically having the right equipment, but also choosing, in our case, we are standing a little bit back because you can see more of our physical or our body language. You can see my expression. You can get more of what I'm trying to say. I mean, we've, for millions of years, understanding and trusting somebody based on what you saw is how we survived. Mm -hmm. Now in business, when we say, figuratively speaking, cutthroat business, we also have to trust each other. <laughs> and so people are wired to interpret somebody's behavior and trusting each other. That's number one. Now in the virtual world, that's a lot more, that's a lot harder. I mean, I dread the people that started a new and working in a new company and never met their peers or their bosses. But trying to overcome that with the right technology, with the right setup is very important. But I, for instance, would say in order to trust somebody as a company, please organize also some informal meetings. Not only the business efficiency, it's again the 2080 rule, spend some time together in an informal virtual meeting to get to know each other. I think that's very important. From a cultural perspective, I think also there, 
Um, there's different ways of doing business. There's the, the management that will sit at the end of the table, never move closer to the, never do any annotation or any writing, sharing ideas. There's different setups in the meeting room with or without a table, brainstorm sessions without any furniture. So I think all of that is changing. Uh, the critical part, I think, is, and maybe take a step back, when we talk about change management, that's one of my, my favorite topics when it comes to psyche of people. People typically don't like to change. Uh, I don't know if you ever read, and if you haven't, I recommend Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow. It's a beautiful way of how people consider change. And now we are in this abrupt change mode. Normally, technology change in, changes incrementally, but now it's been a breakthrough moment. When people 18 months ago had to work from home, they had no choice but to change. And they got this, this extra, let's say, shift but now they realize we should have done this a long time ago because this is a lot easier. Now when people go back to the meeting room, they think, oh, we know the solution is video conferencing. And they will go to the meeting room and they are not yet aware of the pain that will occur when they try to collaborate, when they try to create stuff only with video conferencing. I think that's where the technology will have to adapt and people will have to make that next breakthrough moment to collaborate, to create content, using their cultural differences, because that's, again, something you do in a, in a meeting room that is more difficult in a, in a video setting. But all of those different assets, opinions, cultures, assets, will have to combine with video to create that atmosphere of trust, the willingness to share, and the engagement of feeling invited to share an opinion. Um, uh, I want to tap back a little bit into what you just were mentioning about us standing. So you've seen previous podcasts, we're just sitting, we're having a casual chat. We decided to step up because when I do my trainings or my coaching, I always stand up. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is also uh, not being the, putting myself higher up, but my posture. I'm easier, I'm, I can communicate better, I can bring over the message. And what you see us doing now, we're talking with our hands, we're looking at you. For the people who are listening to the podcast, you cannot see it, but I recommend that you go to YouTube. But for the people who are looking on YouTube to the video, you will see that we're standing and we are actively involved. Uh, I recently had a stand-up meeting for one of the projects I'm doing, and actually everyone was sitting. And I asked them, guys, let's all stand up throw away your chair, just stand up, and let's have that stand-up meeting every morning uh, as we would have done it from the office. We had a big, everyone has a big screen and everybody was standing up. And the interesting part was that one, the meeting took only 15 minutes instead of 30 minutes. Two, people came up with really interesting ideas while the day, the day before they were actually doing email. Standing up means I cannot touch my keyboard. I cannot pick up my phone. I cannot be distracted. I have to be focused on you. And I think that's the dynamic also you're pushing for, that you have to change the way you communicate. That's one thing, but also act. It's all about being present in the now and not in the future or mm -hmm. yesterday or whatever, being mm -hmm. present in the now. Video conferencing in the past year has resulted that people started doing a lot of other stuff. They have their cameras off. It's they're just not engaged. Yeah. If you look at the engagement numbers, I heard last week in a, in, in a previous uh, um, a podcast, which I just saw at least released today, uh, about reward and recognition, that uh, in the UK there's a massive uh, exit shift. People are leaving the company because they're not involved they don't feel involved anymore they don't feel that they are getting the most out of the company and that they can contribute 
Well, if you look at at, at, at uh, being actively involved in meetings, like a stand-up meeting, through video calls, you can already see the different dynamic. Uh, and mm-hmm. thank you, uh, by the way, Glenn, for <laughs> pushing this also for the podcast, because we're going to keep doing this moving yeah. forward, standing up. Hey, I think um, one more important standing up, because I think that's a very important point. And I, I don't remember the, 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 the person that has shared that data or where, where the... Where the uh, the statistic comes from, but the goal of a meeting, the goal of conversing is to share an opinion, to communicate. Now, the statistic says, I will find, you'll probably put it in the link somewhere in the YouTube later, but 7%, only 7% of what we communicate is the words that we speak. It's like reading an email, a lot of misunderstanding, you only see the words. 38% is the, 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 the voice, the, the timbre, the intonation. 55% of your message is your body language. And so imagine sitting behind a, your laptop with your face. Yes, you have your facial expressions, but having a full range of motion gives you a lot more communication at this, at, within the same time frame. So why wouldn't you use that? Exactly, exactly. And on a positive note, to, sh- to, to shut this one down, if you stand up, you're getting your steps, you're getting your movements. It's good for your health. So we have all, all extra. Only wins. Only wins. <laughs> only wins. Only wins. Hey, we're looking at the time. We're running a bit out of time. Um, Glenn, um, what will be your top, let's say, three tips for people looking at uh, communicating internationally, uh, looking at that international culture part? You can, you can mix it up. But what are your top three Max five tips you want to share from your experience with our audience. Ooh, top five. I don't know if I'm going to get to five, but let's say what, what I would say from a, um, from a cultural perspective, um, from the minority majority HQN regions is over communicate. Number one, number two, align accountability and responsibility. If you're responsible for something or you're accountable for something, give the responsibility that goes without accountability. Many times you have to get a number, but you can't make the decisions to get it. Like you said, you need to make the, sell the product, but you cannot give input to how that product should be sold. And so those are on the cultural side, over-communicate, align accountability and responsibility. On the communication side, on the hybrid, what we are doing today, take a step back and share all of the messaging using your body language, your voice, and your words, because that's the full message. Number one, take a step back. Number two, I would say, use interactivity. Um, Try to use it the highest or the best quality technology tools to communicate and share content, because that's the pain that I'm forecasting is gonna come in the next six months once everybody in the meeting room and people wanna try to write on on a paper flip chart. People at home don't see that. That's not shareable. It's very inefficient. So use interactive whiteboards, communicate content, uh, share documentation in a digital format natively. Um, And you will get a lot more voices and inputs from all over the world for also the people and the experts that are not in your home base, in your office. Everybody can share content and ideas if it's digital natively or natively digital. I think those two and two would be my my top four, let's say, for those two topics. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So we're going to conclude the, the podcast. Um, guys, you have seen what a great guy Glenn is. Uh, 
after speaking to him now a few times, I'm really amazed by him. It's actually funny that we uh, seem to have been working for the same type of companies in the past, yeah. more as a supplier role. But I really want to thank you for uh, for joining this. You're podcast. welcome. Um, I think that a lot of people can learn from you, and maybe they are maybe interested in what you as Avacor can 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 service them with. Um, if you want to get in touch with Glenn, Glenn, how do they do that? I think the easiest for everybody is LinkedIn. We're all as professionals on that form. And if I have to spell out my name and my email address, that's going to be harder. <laughs> but Glenn Boston, my name is probably going to show up in the in the podcast, or maybe you can put my LinkedIn yes. address in, in there. The and below. from there, we'll comments pick up the communication, phone and email. We will do that, absolutely. I'd love to hear your inputs and your, your other thoughts. If you don't agree, please challenge. That's there's, there's one favorite quote I like to end with, and that's all about communication and collaboration. And it's a quote by George Bernard Shaw. And it says, if I have an apple and you have an apple, we st- and we share apples, we still each have one apple. But if you have an idea and I have an idea and we exchange ideas, we both have two ideas. And that's really what we're, it's collaboration is all about, right? Cool. That, on that bombshell, we're going to end the podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Glenn, again. It was really cool. And uh, guys, uh, you know how to find us. Uh, leave a comment in the, in, in, uh, in the comment section. Uh, subscribe to our channel and connect with Glenn. I think that's the, the cool thing we can do. Have a lovely week and make this week count. Bye.